Hi there, I'm Dr. Mirdalis Diaz Ramirez, and this is the Design Your Physician Life podcast. Welcome to this episode brought to you by our MaxSolar Mastermind, an exclusive mastermind for physician entrepreneurs. Today, we have a very special guest. He's Daniel Wren from Finance for Physicians, and his company is called Wren Financial, and you can find that at wrenfinancial.com. We have a great conversation with Daniel about designing your financial life. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Design Your Physician Life podcast, where you will get excited about being a physician, learn the tools that can help boost your success, and great tips from successful doctors. Join us to unlock the keys to an amazing physician life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Mirdalis Diaz Ramirez. Hello, everybody. I'm super excited. Today, we have Daniel Wren today with us. He is a financial advisor and creator of the Finance for Physicians podcast. He loves helping people use their finances to live better lives, especially physicians. Ultimately, he wants to live a life worth imitating and help others to do the same. Above all, he values his faith in Christ and his family. Most of his spare time involves wrestling with his boys, Noah, Henry, and Andrew coaching soccer, and spending time with his wife, Allison. He didn't tell us here in his bio that he also volunteers, and we talk, can talk a little bit about that. He's volunteering. He actually came from volunteering today. <laughs> and it also should be noticed that he has a previous hot sauce obsession. I don't yeah. know how that helps if he takes his clients for hot sauce eating know. or something <laughs> like that. But we'll yeah. find out shortly. So thanks, Daniel, for being here. How are yeah. you? Yeah, thanks for having me. Great, great to be here. I'm doing well. Yeah, and I'm wearing a baseball cap, and I guess y'all can't see me, so uh, I'm all casual. No, they cannot see you. Yeah, it's a casual <laughs> day for me. I started the day out uh, out and about, and it's really hot here today. It's like 95 and super humid. So, can you tell them where you are? I'm in Lexington, Kentucky. So it's not always hot like this. So we're kind of not used to this heat. And what were you doing today that you're wearing that cap backwards and that t-shirt? Yeah. So I was doing, I volunteer, the, it's called the Lexington Rescue Mission and it's a homeless shelter here. And I do their outreach program, which basically we're out on the streets interacting with homeless people, which is awesome. It's amazing. It's, it's, I've done all kinds of volunteer work and it, this has really resonated with me because it's, it's in the real, I mean, you're in their world. You're, you're kind of stepping into their world. Typical volunteer work. It's like, ah, uh, you know, I'm going to help sort stuff or I'm going to sit there and wait for them to come to me. This is like, we go in and hang out with them. And it's not like, we're not pushing anything really. It's just kind of hanging out with them and getting to know them and they're real people. And you realize that, and you know, it's, it's, it's been really good. Do you help them with their finances in some way? Have you had the opportunity to do that? Like direct them? No, I not yet. And I don't know that I will. Um, I think they need, there's a lot of steps they need to take typically before they um, start being proactive with their finances. It's more like, you know, getting there's a there's a lot of steps usually so there's recognizing um, the problems that they have recognize and usually there's deeper problems but you know i was telling this we were talking earlier about a story of a guy i was talking to um on the streets today and he has a drug addiction and the cool part about this conversation is the guy's like ready to fix it but he's like i got a drug problem and he told us that we didn't really have to ask and he's like i'm ready to like get help and the guy's 
I'm with who are like veterans of this thing. They're like, that's where it's at. Like you don't see that very often. And when that happens, so they were getting them in a program, like on the street in the moment. They're like, when you get that happening, you got to act on it, which is so applicable to all the stuff. So we're going to be talking about finance today <laughs> or whatever you want to talk about really, but it's so applicable to so many areas of life. Well, we're going to talk about actually, you know, um, I don't, I don't mean to say that the situation is, is similar and I like it's very far away, but it's certainly a lot of, of problems with homelessness is mental issues and with physicians, which is what we created this, this effort is a lot about having problems with mental issues through burnout, not feeling in control, being overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And what we see in our mastermind is when physicians really recognize like that homeless did that they, he needed attention to, to his drug addiction problem is that once physicians recognize they have a problem with burnout and control, that's when they can get to programs like ours and then get control of their lives again and regain and retain control of their physician lives. And one of the aspects that we discuss a lot is finance, right? Because we can go through medical school and we don't really have financial education uh, to the point that sometimes, as you were saying um, in earlier conversation, that they come to you as a financial advisor and they ask you for things that would be probably unreasonable from the get-go instead of like having a process to get ready. Before we get to that process with you, with what mm -hmm. we want physicians to know when, you know, when, when to come to somebody like you, tell me a little bit about how you became involved with physicians precisely for financial investments. What's the story behind you being a physician financial advisor? Yeah. So I started out in the industry, uh, selling disability insurance at an insurance company. And, you know, you can, there's, there's only so many people that buy disability insurance, like one of which is physicians. And so I was working with, you know, basically physicians, attorneys, um, some business owners, um, those are the type of people that buy that financial product. And <clears throat> I got to work with all the, all the different professions. And I really resonated with, physicians and I enjoyed, and, and I started to kind of get into financial advising within that world, which was part of the problem with it is because that's why I left that industry is because there was a lot of conflicts of interest, uh, with advising and selling products, which maybe we can talk about later. That's a problem. And I was doing that. Uh, but I was able to experience working with physicians and I enjoyed it. And I realized, you know, I want to work more with them, but I just need to get rid of these products because it's causing, me to kind of lose sleep and it's clouding our advice. So I left and started my business and basically went all in with working with strictly physicians and helping them kind of through that, uh, money mission, money life and, and all that sort of stuff. We just got rid of all the products. So that takes me to one of my favorite words I have to admit, which is called fiduciary. Oh yeah. <laughs> so what's the term fiduciary? What's that versus non-fiduciary? Yeah, it's, kind of sad that I have to explain this, but, uh, our industry fiduciary is like basically a standard professional standard where you have to act in whomever's best interests. Uh, and so you have to kind of like put them at the top, um, in their best. And so when you're not a fiduciary in my industry, the other standard is called suitability. And so that's basically just like finding a pretty good solution. It doesn't have to be the best. It can be just like suitable is the word. So like a suitable solution. It's like good, good enough. 
solutions. So as financial advisors or financial planners or financial services people, they're either operating as fiduciary, which is like act, they legally have to act in your best interest, or they're app operating as uh, suitability, which is like they just have to provide okay stuff. Uh, and so the confusing part about it, well, if that wasn't confusing enough, the confusing even further part about it is most advisors are both. And they just swap back and forth, which is, and if you ask them, they say they're a fiduciary because that's sounds better. So but, from my point of view, like I'm going to hire somebody like Daniel. First, I would like to look for that word fiduciary. And all the time. I, you want them all the time, all the time. And then besides that, for me, what I've looked is people who are not really necessarily affiliated with the particular company. This one you're starting like later on when you have like certain amount of money or a different category, then you can go to these different areas yourself looking for investments, particular investments in, in some companies. But at least to organize uh, for somebody who's starting a fiduciary, I, we pay a, a monthly or a yearly fee. And then they will tell us, they will organize, they will look at our all our investments or finances and everything and, and and tell us where we are without really having to sell us a product because they're going to make a commission on it. Yep. Is that, is a fiduciary, that a, a fiduciary has to act in your best interest. Um, it doesn't mean they can't sell products. So that's, yeah. confu that's confusing too. That, so a that's the part that I, I try like to get somebody who's not necessarily like just affiliated under a company or right. one sole company that's, they only have this set of products for you. Right. If I was, if I was talking to my brother about like hiring a financial planner, I'd be like, they have to be a fiduciary. They can't sell products. Preferably they, you know what you're paying and you can tell very clearly, like so that you can't forget later. Uh, and it's transparent and, and then the services are clear. And then they have a whole bunch of people that are just like you, like that's the kind of the core uh, things I would tell them to look for beyond just like you get along with them. I mean, like that's always desirable too. So that was the due diligence to hire a fiduciary financial advisor. Right. Yeah. Pretty, pretty straightforward. And now, unfortunately so there's not a lot of those. I mean, you kind of have to look a little bit, so you have to know at least enough to kind of screen them. So luckily we have you one of them, right? <laughs> and then suppose that, Oh my goodness. I like, I'm a mess. I just graduated or, or I have, I'm working for this office. I've been working for, for a few years now and I want to come to you. How should I be like ready to come to you? What do you want me for our first interview to have ready for you? I think the number one thing we've already talked about, we're going to talk about it again is ready. They have to be ready to kind of turn the corner. So a lot of people, even people that hire us and we don't quite realize it, maybe they're not quite ready to do what it takes to kind of put in some work into their finances. So you have to be like ready to plan, ready to be serious about your finances. Um, as You a, have that's, to work. You're saying that you're telling me that I have to work to do that? Yeah, you got to put in time into anything. Same thing as your program. You got to dedicate some hours. And sometimes people are like, no, I, I'm not, I'm not ready. Especially. So I think of me as like a 22 year old or something. I was like, not interested in that. I would have been like checked out. I'm like, no, I got this. Uh, so they have to be like ready to work on their finances and they, you know, kind of have to have some res 
expect, I guess, for uh, third party. Like sometimes people are, I'm going thinking back to me as the 22 year old overconfident in themselves. Um, like I heard a buddy describe it like competence, confidence ratio. So like maybe their competence is low, but their confidence is high, but they're not quite realizing it. So that is, we can't really deal with that. Like we're not going to be able to provide much value because, and usually those type of people don't seek us out. So the people that seek us out and are ready are the ones that are ready to get help. So you got to be ready to, to get help basically. Um, beyond that, like we can work with that. Like we can, we can, uh, help. So people are like, do I have to be organized? Well, no, I mean, that'd be great. But like, you don't have to be organized. A good financial planner will help you get organized. Like that's part of their services. Um, do you have to have investments? No, not necessarily. Like you don't, does your stuff have to be a certain complexity factor? No, I mean, no, not necessarily. We prefer working with people like earlier in, in life, you know, ideally so that it's before all these big decisions start happening. So I think the big things are, you know, being ready to move forward and ready to get help. Okay. So, um, I'm ready. I'm ready to sign up with you. Then we have these things and should I bring my partner? Should I bring my spouse? Should I bring somebody to the meetings with you? Yeah. Uh, well, I think this is a personal preference. Um, or I know it's a personal preference. Our um, philosophy in planning is that like a couple is one unit. Like we see a couple as like one unit. So because of that, we're going to say, you know, both spouses need to be involved. Like we do, we kind of view it as one plan. And so not everybody views it that way and that's okay. Um, so that, that's kind of our view. So if you're, uh, along that frame of thought, then yeah, you need to involve your spouse. Like that's, that's kind of an, uh, a prerequisite, like not in every single meeting, but like they need to be on the same page because it's going to be, they're going to have equal input into the plan. And, um, what have you seen with, uh, physicians who come, they say they're ready what are the most common maybe misconceptions they have when they come to you um, that they were not expecting or something that you have to work a little bit in their ideas of, of the process of working with a fiduciary uh, financial planner? I think the number one thing is they're not ready to talk about values and vision and purpose like we do. I think that surprises them sometimes catches them off guard. They're like, I just wanted you to help me select how much I should spend on my house. And now we're talking about like what's most important. So sometimes that throws people for a loop. Um, the reason is in, we've talked about this already today, but like the reason is because in order to do a solid plan, you have to start with like, what's most important to you and where do you want to go? And the house, for example, like we need to know, how does that rank in all the other stuff in life? Like what's most important to you? Is that pulling you like away from your values or towards your values? Uh, and the only way we can know that is by having that kind of foundational discussion to kind of clarify what that looks like. And, and, and then we're going to kind of work on the house thing. So I think that throws people for a loop. And I think a lot of people haven't gone through that ever before. So it's kind of like awkward or either like, Oh, nobody's ever asked what my, my values are like, or what's most important. I hadn't thought about it in a while. 
what would a value have to do with me investing on a business, on a house, on on on, an, on stock options or anything like that? What what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. So like on an, you know, a business, for example, investing in a business, um, especially if you're going to be involved, like that's you. So I can talk about my business. Like that's me. It represents me and it's, I'm able to kind of like shape it around my values. So I mentioned, we already mentioned me doing the homeless shelter volunteering. So like that is an opportunity to like, it's on my calendar. The people I work with see that I went to do that. We even have like a community service day that we've created for our employees. It's a way to kind of implant your values and further your values and live into your values. Um, Say you're deciding a job, like, you know, if you're one of your values, one of my values is like spending time, like, you know, solid time, um, undistracted time is what I'm trying to say with my children and my wife. And so if I'm, you know, seeking out a job that like really is going to take a lot hours wise, like that's pulling me away from like that value of like spending time, like quality time with my family. Like if I'm constantly on call, like that's, you know, that's going to pull me potentially away. So everybody's has different values. Um, and it's something we don't think about every day necessarily, especially if we're just running. So as I understand, and, and we've seen this in our mastermind, like defining your values will define the priorities where you put the money and where you put the effort. And if you decide to invest on X thing, that that means many different things. Like one of them would be like you're taking money away from something else that might be more valuable to you that you should have thought about first mm-hmm. before investing on that thing. Maybe yep. the other thing is that if also what the expenses would involve of investing of that thing. Like if you decide to invest in this wonderful, beautiful home, um, you have to understand that what an asset is and what what a liability is and. Right. Are you going to be having to save for that and all that stuff? So your values come there. And what's and it taken well, away from, like you mentioned? Exactly. Like if you want to travel, for example, or give money to a cause or have flexibility or independence from work, like buying more house has a directly negative impact on your f- ability to be financially independent. Uh, not that and even bad. buying a house at all, because some people, for example, there's uh, this couple, they're Leticia Alto and Kenji Asakura. They teach physicians how to do multifamily homes and they don't own a house of, of their own. They yeah, yeah, you don't have to. And the reason they rent is because they take that money from that uh, house to invest, which I didn't know at the time of, that I pur- purchased my house. I would have probably done that. You know, we have this thing in our minds that we have to buy we're so ready. I'm telling you, like when we graduate medicine, like we're so ready to have that reward of the big house, mm-hmm. the big car that, you know, like the promised land. Right. But we were not taught about financial education and we might have based on our values decided to take that money and invest it on something mm-hmm. that's going to give us passive income so that then we can right. be more time with our family. But so the that's house, where the house comes, is yeah. such a challenging one because it's yeah. like, I, I've never had anybody be like, I mean, I have maybe had some flavor of this, but most people are not like, I really value like having uh, a house. Like that's number one on my list. Like, or when I'm old and looking back, I, it's really important that I had this specific house. Like it's not, usually it's like, I want to make sure I spent 
time with the people I love. Like that's the most common one. So people don't, when you don't go through that exercise and you buy too much house, it's actually, they don't, you don't realize it, but it's pulling you away from like spending the time with the people you love. I was just talking with a physician the other day that's retired and he's like, I wish I hadn't worked so hard and spent so much time trying to make more money to have nicer things and not spend time with my family. Like buying more house means you have to work more, which means you have less time to spend with your family. So if that's a value, you got to weigh those two things. Not that one, I mean, not that buying a nice house is a bad thing. It's just weighing the alternatives. Yeah. How, how much house you want to buy, but, and that's the thing. So we are down to the house. We, we bought or didn't buy a house with you and uh, we are organizing our finances. Let's talk about investment, like going to invest. How does that process look to you? Like for most of your clients when they're starting? Yeah, I think investing is a big space. Like there's a lot there like there's hundreds thousands of books within that uh topic in itself it's kind of like medicine almost but i mean shouldn't it's like it be just big... easy like oh i want you to invest my money daniel and then give you my money and then tell me just how to do that i, I mean it could it, you know you it could be easy you can kind of make it easy but it is not uh it is very complicated and so you know if you're doing it yourself um you got to read the books and kind of dig into the academic and understand what the options are so that you can pick, you know, the best option for you. And what happens is, so somebody like me is going to be like, make sure you have lots of options because we want to select the best options in whatever given. So, you know, you can say like retirement plans or like investing in real estate, like either way, we want to have a lot of options so you can select the best option. But then when you look at a bunch of options. It's like, well, how do I pick the options? So, you know, you got to kind of understand how it works. So you can, I kind of look at it like there's two different paths. It's like, you can, the, the DIY path, which is fine. Like you, but the DIY path, you got to kind of immerse yourself in the books and read and understand all the options, not all the options, you know, get a good handle on what the choices are so that you can confidently start to make choices and learn, or you can kind of go the path of like, seeking help. So that's more of the people that tend to hire us. And those type of people are, I still think it's good to understand like the basics, like the philosophy kind of like, you know, a little bit of how it works, but like they're leaning on us in a lot of ways to help them kind of select, you know, the best option for them. So one of the things that physicians fear is failure and we talk a lot about being perfect in our lives because of all the challenges and, and the things that have been required from us. And many people say at the same time, oh, but I can't do that. That should be easy, right? Because it's not, it's not like being a physician. But the thing is that if I think it should be about a balance. So you are fear, uh, you're fearful of failure, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you don't, you don't want to be like, if you're perfect all the time, like you will, will not do anything if you're just waiting for perfection to happen. And then you have somebody who's doing a job that you think, oh, I could learn that. Well, you know, it turns out that 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 job takes a long time to learn. And we see many physicians say, oh, I can do that, those investments on my own. And then that's when you kind of then fail. You start failing some, like losing money because you really didn't study enough 
to be able to make that those investments. And that's when somebody like like Daniel really comes into mm-hmm. play where you can really take people and teach them how to read, you know, a balance sheet, how to take a look at a deal and see what's going to be good or bad. Um, take a look at the pros and cons of any deal and mm-hmm. uh, get that, get you by the hand and really right. help you um, so that you don't fail. And if, you know, they cannot guarantee um, anything as I understand, but they can certainly give you, help you do the due diligence that we have to do on any deal that we yeah. do. I think the way I look at it is like, well, first of all, as you were talking, I was thinking of one of the books I love is Failing Forward. It's a uh, Maxwell book. You know, I think you can't avoid failure. And, you know, in a lot of ways, you can look at failure as opportunities, especially if you're kind of trying to learn something and do it yourself. And that's, you know, pretty much guaranteed inevitable failures along the way. Um, but uh, like when when you're working with somebody, you know, like a financial planner, like we're going to you can kind of like leverage someone else's. So like our experience with other people, you're kind of leveraging that and it can kind of help accelerate, um, you know, that opportunity, your opportunity to kind of make progress, but it's not, it's not for everybody. Like everybody is different. That's the, the beauty about people. It's like some people really love the idea of like immersing themselves in something and doing it themselves and, and digging in. And, and that's, and by all means, like keep doing that. Like that, that's your thing. That that's great. But some people like get into it and they're like, Oh, this is my, I got home from work and now I got to look at my finances. This is terrible. Like that, that kind of, um, situation, like you probably would benefit hugely from like a solid, financial planner that can kind of help you through it, um, and, and, and get you to where you're, um, you know, doing what you need to do to, to make, and, and the rewards are huge. I mean, the idea is we're trying to help people live a great life using money as a tool to live a great life. So, you know, that's huge. If you can, if you can do that, um, you know, it's a, it's a big deal. Um, and ideally, you know, and that's what a plan is. That's what a financial plan is, is helping you, chart out the path to use money to live that good life. So let's talk about, we know that, well, I think that matching your vision to your type of investment that you're do you're going to do is very important. Like nothing is going to last if you don't match those two things, but mm-hmm. separate from that, imagine that I have chosen and anything can be under my vision and, and it comes for everything. Which type of investments have you seen that physicians are making that give them the best return of investment if it goes along their values? Would you say like real estate type of deals? And within that, there's tons of things that people are doing. But, you know, now it's 2022. Things evolve. Things change. What sort of things have you seen that your clients are having the most success with once they're aligned uh, Mm -hmm. values and investments? Yeah, I think. I think, um, you know, a lot of people we work with, when you really, um, sit and think about it, they don't want to get their hands dirty into things. Some people do that we work with, but the average person we work with does not really want to get like their hands dirty. And so what I'm talking about is like, 
they don't want to, if we're talking about real estate, for example, they don't really want to be the person that gets the call in the middle of the night to, you know, plunge a toilet or whatever, or they don't want to kick people out if they don't pay rent. And that's kind of like the get in the hands dirty aspect. So they want more like passive, 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 pure, not, like not active, passive investments. Yeah. There's like, yeah. Rich is confusing to say it. It's like, <laughs> which one is, so there's like, it's a spectrum active versus passive, uh, you know, pure. They're more like, I don't really want to do anything if possible. So for those type types of people, like just using, and they even call them passive funds, like passive index funds or whatever, like using uh, investment vehicles that basically like buy the entire market. They're ultra low cost and they're fantastic, like historical, like performance wise relative to alternatives. Like they, they do extremely well given the fact that you're not getting your hands dirty at all. Those are kind of the the ideal typically for that crowd. And even, you know, going back to values, like sometimes people have things they want to screen for with their values and they can kind of select out things like, so say they don't want to invest in companies that like have, you know, they just want clean energy or something like that. And they can kind of screen out some of that. So that that's one category. On the other hand, if you do want to get your hands dirty, that kind of gets into like starting your own business. And that's a, a completely different flavor of investing that typically has a fantastic rate of return, um, monetary rate of return, but life satisfaction rate of return as well. If you can like match up, like doing something that you have a passion for and have more than just a financial reason. So that's kind of what it comes down to, especially the more active you get. Um, and even passive, like there's gotta be like something behind it. Like, what are you saving for? Uh, and that's kind of what we're going for on the front. End. It's like, we, we need to understand like, what's the purpose of this thing? Like, what are you saving for or why are you doing it? And, and, and once we, you know, have a good idea of that, like that's really going to be the gasoline behind it. And people that have a, a passion for a business project, like you, I can tell you have a passion for what you do. That's huge. And that's going to, going to provide fantastic results typically. And that's, that's always a, a great starting point. Thank you. That's awesome. Thanks. Um, you have passion for what you do. You've been helping physicians. And um, tell us about the podcast that you're doing. What sort of things have you been teaching in your podcast? Yeah, on our podcast, we kind of just go like more of the academic. Um, we do a little bit of stories and uh, experts, pulling in experts um, as well, but like kind of the academic behind personal finance for physicians. So we'll cover, you know, topics that basically we're working in our day jobs. So my day job is financial planner. We're doing like one-on-one work with physician families and the podcast, we're just kind of covering, we're talking about examples and stories and the academics behind all of that. And, and I think that's kind of the, the idea is to provide good, like foundational content that really anybody can benefit from um, you know, whether they're a do it yourselfer or, you know, not sure, or there are a lot of people that listen are already working with us and they just kind of want to further, uh, their knowledge. It's a lot of people are surprised. They think, you know, the people that work with us are the ones that don't know a lot about personal finance, which is not true. Like a lot of our clients are really solid on personal finance. Like they have very solid, uh, you know, financial understanding of how things work. They've just chosen to kind of, uh, you know, hire help. Um, and so I'm, I'm always advocating for furthering education. 
So let's see that I'm listening to this podcast and I'd like to know some things that I can specifically start doing right away today. Let's talk about specific tips that we can give our listeners if they want to engage in a healthy financial planning pathway. Yeah, I think if you're ready and you're, you know, you're thinking that direction, um, I think it's good to, you know, take a minute to, to sit and think like, what's most important to me? Like, what do I want my life to look at, look like in the future? One of the favorite, one of my favorite questions to kind of think through is like, okay, let's say, um, I'm 80 or 90 or I'm late stage in my life taking like 15 minutes to just, you know, kind of write down, like say I'm 80 years old, I'm looking back on my life and I'm super excited. I'm pumped about how well things went. Like life turned out great. I'm celebrating. Like it was a, it was a great life. I was happy. Like what sort of things had to happen along the way for that to play out? And, you know, you just start writing down stuff and brainstorming. So you take a blank sheet of paper and, you know, write down whatever comes to mind. That's kind of a, you know, starting point to sh shaping out your values and your goals and what's most important. That's a good extra, you know, I do it with myself. Uh, with clients, you know, every so often, it's a, it's a great exercise to do. If you haven't done it in a while, or if you've never done it, especially, it's a great exercise to do to kind of start to clarify that. That's one thing. Um, the second thing would be, I would, I think I would suggest it would be good for everyone and anyone to start, you know, tracking your uh, net worth. This is a little bit more tactical um, and organ organizational, but like, tracking your net worth. So what I mean by that is, um, documenting your assets, which is stuff that you own a value and the value of it at a specific date. So like a date stamped value of the asset and then a date stamped value of debts or what you owe. And the difference between those two is your net worth. So like, I think getting, getting in a habit, uh, of tracking your net worth every so often is just a really good, like, you know, getting organized sort of step, uh, with your finances. And what happens over time is you start to be more aware of what you have, um, you know, what you have to work with. And, you know, I think frequency wise, I mean, it's good if you haven't done it ever, like, you know, do it now. And then maybe, you know, I do it every month, but I'm also a financial planner. Uh, so maybe quarterly or something like that. You're just going in every so often to kind of update those values. Or if you're working with a financial planner, like, you know, go through that with them every so often, make sure you're kind of aware of what you have and, and how it's changing. So suppose that I'm not 80, but I'm in my sixties and I'm still 30 years out. Um, my relationship is over. We're divorcing and now my finances have drastically changed. Would I benefit mm. still to come and see a financial planner? I don't know. I, if if you don't have a plan, I think that's the question. So if there's not a plan and you don't feel like you have traction, that's where there's huge benefit. So if you, you know, everybody really, I mean, it, it seems like at the end of the day, um, I mean, we all have a life and we all want to, you know, make it the best we can. And if you don't have a plan, no matter what your situation is, I, you know, I think I would advocate for having a plan 
Now, the question about hiring a financial planner versus just having a plan, um, that's kind of more of a decision as to whether you want to try to do it yourself or, you know, work with somebody to help you. So I always suggest like everyone should have a financial plan and it should be written. And a financial plan is basically just like what's most important to you? Where do you want to go? What do you have to work with? And then what are the steps you're going to take to get there? So everybody should at least have a financial plan that's well thought out like everyone. And now if you're having trouble working through that process or you're not feeling confident about it or you're not executing or whatever, for whatever reason, that's when you really need a financial planner because a financial planner is going to like help you through it, facilitate it, help with the decision-making and the organization and all the aspects. So you talked about determining your net worth, right? And there's different um, levels of net worth that will have us uh, qualify for different types of investments. Um, can you explain to our audience what having a net worth of $250,000 versus a million dollars versus $5 million could give you access to in terms of investments? Yeah. So you're talking about like a credited investor. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. So like if you have a credit, if you are an accredited investor, um, that's like when you're, net worth is over a certain, I was looking up the values. Um, it's, it's income or net worth. So like your net worth has to be at least a million or more and your, uh, or your income has to be, uh, 200,000 or 300,000 if you're married, um, and combined with spouse income. So basically when you're an accredited investor, <clears throat> that opens up kind of like a new realm of investment opportunities, uh, that are, you know, only available. So like private investment deals, like there's a lot of deals, uh, especially like, you know, like not publicly traded companies, publicly traded companies. So like buying stock in Apple, everybody can buy stock in Apple, but there's a whole bunch of like private deals that are, you know, either startups or small businesses or whatever that require, you have to be an accredited investor to invest in it. And so you're not, until you have that level of net worth or income, you, you, you can't invest in. Exactly. So, and then even after you like have one million, those are things that are part of the planning. As I understand, you can plan, okay, I'm going to get to this level. So then I can get access to this type of investments and then mm -hmm. I can get to 3 million to 5 million. And depending on that, then you can get to different types of products. So yeah. this has been awesome. Uh, Daniel, thank you for helping our uh, listeners with, this information, wonderful information, especially if somebody's considering um, to have a financial planner. These are very important things that we have to do as part of the due diligence when our, we're trying to hire somebody like you in your position. So tell us where people can find you, where physicians can find you if we want to listen more about you or connect yeah. with you for our services, If we're, especially if we're not in Kentucky. Yeah. So we're, we're a hundred percent virtual, like our, our one-on-one -on -one planning business, we work virtually. So it's cross country. Uh, but if you want, if you are looking for like educational content, that's where the podcast would be, be great. So it's financeforphysicians.co. Um, that's the podcast. And we just cover, like I said, educational content and, you know, all those sorts of things. So learning, that would be the direction I would point you in. Um, As far as like one-on-one -on -one help, if you're considering that or want to go that direction, the business is called Ren Financial. So it's renfinancial.com. And that's where you can find us, find out information or do like, you know, no cost introductory calls, that sort of thing. 
So uh, Rent Financial would be W R E N N E Financial.com. Yeah. 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 W R E N N E Financial.com. And then if you want to find me, I'm on LinkedIn. My, the nice thing about having a last name that's spelled uniquely is I'm like the only, well, there's not very many people with that last name. So like you can, I'm on LinkedIn. It's, you know, you can search me, Daniel Wren. Thank you very much. Anything else? Any last words you want to share with our community before we say goodbye? I think the number one thing I would emphasize is if you have made it through medical school, like you can completely dominate your finances like that in itself, you know, you can completely knock it out with this. It's not nearly as hard as medical school. In fact, it's it's more just a matter of realizing you can do it and taking a step like a little time, even if it's like a little baby step. So it doesn't have to be a huge step. You don't have to like figure out all this finance stuff immediately. It's like if you, if you can start to, it's like any of these things in life. If you can take that little tiny step, that's the key. And then you can take another step and another step and another step. It's just like working out. It's just like a lot of these areas. It's about that habit. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Have a great day and thanks for everything that you're doing. Yeah, thank you. Well, guys, that's it for today. Stay tuned for more of our Design Your Physician Life podcast, which was brought to you today by our Maxillor Mastermind, an exclusive mastermind for physician entrepreneurs. We will continue to bring you useful resources to develop your physician entrepreneur life, like we did today with Mr. Daniel Wren from wrenfinancial.com. That is W-R-E-N-N-E financial.com. Thank you for joining us. We hope you had a great time as we did. Stay in touch with us. Visit our website, maxalure.com, M-A-X-A-L-L-U-R-E. And please don't forget to subscribe, like us, give us five stars and share the love. Share with your friends and your family. See you later. Thanks. Bye. Please remember that design is not providing specific financial, medical, or career advice. Our only intent is to stimulate your appetite for growth by sharing our experience and those of our speakers, coaches, and guests. Your personal growth and success will be unique to your circumstances and your hard work. We sincerely hope you enjoyed the show and look forward to seeing you next week.